Hello folks and welcome back to the Al Foran podcast sponsored by Betfred and produced by Feeding Night. My guest this week is Olympic bronze medalist Anthony Agogo. Uh, an absolute gent and what a story. Oh my god. Just a really inspiring story. You know Anthony has he, he went through a lot in his life but he uh, he has this kind of the, the kind of impression I got from him is, is that he um he has great perseverance and also that what comes with that perseverance is unbelievable talent you know i think the story of him and how he um got the bronze medal in the london 2012 olympics is incredible it's an incredible story and of course we talk about his early retirement from boxing which was very unfortunate due to his eye injury but um things are pretty good for anthony at the moment he has kind of taken an interesting step in his life his new career is professional wrestling and you guys all know that i absolutely love pro wrestling and he is currently signed to all elite wrestling which is um the big company coming up behind uh, the wwe at the moment a uh, very interesting company with the likes of chris jericho sting cody rhodes kenny omega john moxley who was formerly dean ambrose in wwe it's a it's a big company and um anthony has really really kind of settled in well to professional wrestling and um he's currently kind of going through his his transition into into the business so um it's very interesting but uh yeah what an interesting story we talk boxing we talk wrestling uh, we talk about life and um i just want to give a special shout out to lewis our producer who managed to get this pod set up for us so thank you very much lewis and uh yeah folks it's the al foreign podcast season two episode 20 anthony agogo take care folks game on Get £30 in free bets from Betfred when you sign up and stake a tenner. Football, racing, rugby, boxing. Betfred have markets available on all of the biggest matches, races, fights and more. Download the Betfred app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Or sign up through betfred.com. Game on! 18 plus BeGambleAware.org UK and Northern Ireland only First sports bet of £10 and over in one transaction Settled in 60 days Odds evens, brackets 2.0 and over £30 free bet paid within 10 hours of bet settlement 7 day expiry Payment restrictions apply SMS validation may be required Full terms and conditions apply Please gamble responsibly I'm very pleased to be joined by Anthony Agogo. Uh, and first, I just want to thank uh, a mutual friend of ours, the producer of this podcast, Lewis Spearman, uh, for setting up this this chat. So thank you very much, Lewis. I believe you and Lewis know each other well. Yes, mate. Yes, I know everybody. <laughs> I look, I sometimes scroll through my, uh, I often get asked, oh, have you got anybody? I'm not saying Lewis is famous, but I often get asked, have you got anybody famous in your contact book? I think... I don't think I have. Then when I scroll through my like my phone book, I've got loads of famous people I'm like friends with. <laughs> but it's just weird. It's weird. I mean, you must not feel the same. Like oh, I'm just a kid from a small town, you know, just a normal dude. So it's, it's weird when I think, oh, my friends are actually like famous sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't. It's, yeah, it doesn't kind of like doesn't link sometimes. Anyway, that's a that's a shit story to start the podcast off with. Oh no, <laughs> no, mate. How are you getting on? You're over in Atlanta now. Yes, mate. Yes, um, and I'm obviously. Over a massive culture change for you completely. Mm, mm, yeah. yeah, huge. Like, like I was, um, 
<laughs> like small things. It's like I was, I went to uh, me and some of the boys from from AEW, and we went to do an escape room, right the other day. Okay. And um, and we're doing an escape room, and everyone's like doing yeah, this is, and we're like I think eight of us, and we got separated within like two teams of four. And we got put in this police cell. Both mm. two police cells. We have to use like to like help each other to get out of the police cell to kind of do the rest of the thing. Yeah. And they're, and they're saying they're saying, then what can you see? What can you see? And we're saying, oh, and one of the lads went, oh, a giant, a giant, a giant thing of tic tac toe. <laughs> I'm going, what? And oh, tic tac toe. Like, and I'm like, what, what are we talking about? And I go, <laughs> can you see a tic tac toe? I'm thinking, what's the tic tac toe? And they explained to me what tic tac toe was, and it's basically a game of noughts and crosses. Yeah, but they call it a tic tac toe. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? And there's small things, and yeah. they and I thought as hilarious they call it tic tac toe. They thought it was hilarious that we call it noughts and crosses, and it's just like small things like that. It's really it, funny. It, it's it really is funny. It is. It's the smallest things over there, but it is funny. It yeah. is. I just want to, you know, go back to your to your childhood. You grew up in a town called Lowestoft. And the East Coast yes. in, in the UK. Obviously, I do my research on all my guests, and you played football from a very young age, and you got trials at Norwich. Yes, yeah, so I played for Norwich. Yeah, I played for Norwich for yeah. a number of years. Um, I was captain of my county. Sorry, like, yeah, you million... played for Norwich. Sorry, yeah. Mm, yeah, like there's a million things that I can't do, a million things that I can't do. But as a kid, I was always I was I was clever at school, madly enough, and I was I was good at sport. And I think mm. the thing that was driving me was the competitive nature of it. Like I like to be the, I love to win. Yeah, love to be the best, and that that's what drove me at school. I wanted to be the top top of every class. Um, yeah, so there yeah, I played football. But I was yeah, I was I was good at sport. I was that annoying kid in year seven that would never touch a badminton racket before and beating the teacher, but ended a badminton class. You know, <laughs> I was I was that kid. But as I said, I make up for it by being very bad at many other things. <laughs> and what what position did you play? Centre mid. So, I was the governor. I was, okay. I, was, I was the second coming to Paul Inns. I was centre mid. Uh, yeah, I ran, <laughs> ran the show. If I do say so myself, I ran the show. I was always the captain of my teams because um, I had the biggest mouth and I demanded the most from my, from, from my fellow, uh, from my teammates. That's what you do. Uh, yeah, and, like, and, and, I, and I was the, being big-headed. I was good. I was good. And I want, if I was good, I used to hate losing. And this is why boxing served me much better than, than football because... Like I used to hate losing. If I was the best person on the pitch, and the left back was tossing it off and and, and twiddling his drawstring like uh, on the corner, and then mm. we conceded a goal, you'd piss me off because like I'm on mate, like I'm gonna lose this game now because of you, not because I'm not very good because of you. So yeah, I was definitely my mentality was definitely more suited to an individual sport opposed to um yeah. A team sport. Team sport. And do you, do you still follow the football? Like, are you a Norwich fan or? Huge, yeah, huge, huge football yeah. fan. That's the biggest thing I miss over here. Um, I miss the football, and it's not even like yeah, because it's you know you, you can go to a sports bar and they're playing fucking baseball. I'm like, mate, yeah. like, like what, what, like what, what is even is this? What is this? <laughs> and, and people go mad for it, and like, oh, my, I can't, I can't wrap my head around American sports. And I always joke with my friends here and say, listen, every American sport, I'm putting pretty much every American sport, it's just. It's just an American sport. It's never left America. That's because 
ain't that good. <laughs> like, yeah. like, if it's a good sport, the whole world play it. You know, all American sports, you know, like it's played yeah. generally just in America, you know. Um, it's, it's funny you yeah. say that. It's funny you say that because I, I'd, I'd be a fan of Steve, Stephen A. Smith. I, I, I like Stephen A. Smith. I think he's, you know, in terms of kind of an, an American uh, sports pun that I like him. But I think he did his, um, the five most powerful uh, athletes in the world. Yep. They were either NFL players, NBA players, or NFL owners. And I'm thinking, yeah. mate, where is Messi and Ronaldo? Do you know yeah, exactly. I mean? Man, that's the thing. That's the thing. So being here, I got this, I like it. I like it here. Um, <laughs> it's cool. I mean, my home is back home. And when I finish this 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 chapter of my life, I will go back home because yeah. I like it here. I like, I like London more. Um, but like Americans often think that like America is the world. So their mm. list, like five top whatever in the world, they don't think, I mean, they, 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 their brains are warped. I talked to a friend in wrestles for AEW. She hasn't got a passport. She's never left America and she's like 34. <laughs> and it's like, and it's like, how can you, I just, you know, and obviously like everyone leads a different life. And not, yeah. Over here, people have this opinion of America and they think it's the best country in the world. And it's just great. Some things really bad and other things. Yeah. It's ones that think it's the best in the world. They've never seen anything else. So what all they know is they, they watch their news channels, which aren't news channels. They're, yeah. they're it's, it's 100% propaganda. They're fed to them. Fox and CNN fed different like scripts to them. And they believe what they read and see because they haven't seen, else, seen that elsewhere. But um, going back to the football thing, mate, yeah, I was a huge, huge I'm a huge football fan. And that's yeah. what I miss most being here. Like not, like keeping up or like waking up at like, so I, I, we train hard and we train late here, like in the evenings, early hours of the morning. Mm. So I wake up, say 10 and I've missed the, 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 the lunchtime kickoff could be main night Arsenal. I've missed it. Yeah. So I've been, you know, I've been asleep and, um, and the times don't really work. But, um, Steve, I like Stephen A. Smith. And when I retired from boxing, I'm not too sure how much of the boxing we're going to delve into, but when I retired from boxing, oh, yeah. um, it was, it, it was the only thing I ever wanted to do from 18, from, from a jack in football to be a boxer. And of course, yeah. I, um, it was everything to me. 18 mm. years, I, I gave him my, my, my life, my soul. You took and it up at the, age of, at the age of 12, didn't you? That's 12, what, mate. Yeah. yeah, 12. 12 yeah. until 30. 18 years of that, my entire life. And that was the only thing I ever wanted to do. And what I'm doing now is amazing and it's, and it's, and it's great. Yeah. But, like, you know, I would have swapped it all for, to, to have my career as a boxer. The point I'm making is, when I retired, I thought, what am I going to do? Like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I actually, like toyed with the idea of trying to become like a British version of Stephen A. Smith because I've got to the very top of a, of a very challenging sport. Mm. I'm very well round. I know pretty much every sport. I know I'm a huge sports fan. So yeah. I thought, I could do that. You know, I think I could really do that. Maybe for Sky Sports, we had uh, Stephen A. Smith. But um, this opportunity presented itself and I haven't looked back since. Well, I've heard you on commentary, and it's it is it's it's refreshing to hear you on commentary as well. It's good, you know. Thank you. I know, I know that's not that's not the main thing, obviously, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know, it's so so the commentary. I'll be very honest. The commentary that's just a ticket box. So the so yeah, I <laughs> it took me seven months to get a visa to get here. So I signed I signed with AW at the very beginning of AW. Mm. I've never wrestled before. Uh, I met Cody. And he took a liking to me, loved my story, loved my athleticism and my and my, my story. And I met Tony Khan and they offered me a contract at the very, very beginning. And then um, it took me seven months to get my visa because I wasn't a wrestler and I couldn't, you know, 
to be a rest to get a visa to come to the US is very hard to get in and work here. So to get a visa, you've got to be one of the best in the world at what you do. Mm. And I had a visa as a professional boxer, but obviously this is a wrestling company, not a boxing company. So I had to, the reason why my visa took so long is because I had to get into the country as an announcer, as a, as a commentator. Yeah. Because I've commentated for, for boxing, for Sky Sports, for ITV and, mm. and BBC. So I'm actually here as a commentator. So I've got to commentate. <laughs> I've got to do commentating <laughs> just to get just to appease my visa. But now yeah. we can now it's now it's been now I've been there for long enough. It's changed now I can wrestle. Now but it's just business to get time. The, yeah. Yeah. I had to so I, I wasn't I wasn't supposed to do the commentating. That's just so I don't get deported back to England <laughs> because I'm here doing something different to what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> well, I, I want to get back to, to the boxing because yes, we are. We're gonna cover a huge amount of the boxing. <clears throat> You won a gold medal at the Junior Olympics in 2004. That was kind of the, yes. the start of kind of the, the early success and, you know, the heads mm. were, were turning. What, what, what was that like? What kind of, you know, you obviously, you spoke about getting, you know, playing for Norwich and, you know, just having this mentality that you just loved playing sport and you wanted mm. to win. And um, what was that like from the early onset? You know, when you started your career in boxing, was it just, you know, look look straight ahead? That was was that kind of the mentality. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I um, so I, I I played football. I swam to a national level. I was, wow. I was I was I was a sportsman. I started boxing when I was twelve, and for a couple of years, for no, for about eighteen, for about for about a year, I did all three, but side by side. So I I I didn't enjoy swimming that much, but. It taught me loads of lessons. Because when you're swimming, up swimming up and down, up and down, it's really quite yeah. boring sport to do and to watch. However, when you're in there, oh my goodness, like it's you and there's eight lanes and you've got seven competitors and you've got that instant feedback. If you're winning, you swim, swim left, right, you see if you're winning or not. And that drive, when someone's in front of you, you're gonna work harder to get in front of them. And when you're in front of them, they're trying to like they they were up on your toes. So that taught me a lot. I think a lot of my competitive drive like derived from swimming at a young age, like mm. waking up before school at six years old. Not many six-year-olds waking up before school, going swimming and, and, and going swimming mm. after school. And I think my drive come from that. But when I walked into the boxing gym as a 12-year-old, I walked in, I had no idea if it would be any good or not because it was so alien to what I'd done before, never boxed before. Mm. I hoped I would be because I was good at other sports, but I had no idea it was going to be good. And then when I walked in, like everything, the smell, the aura, the, 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 the old school five posters on the wall, yeah. everything just said to me that this is where I'm going to spend my life. I actually yeah. thought um, I was going to spend my entire life in, in, in the boxing environment. I had no idea that I was going to get the shit luck that I got in terms of injuries and stuff. Mm. But I'm glad I spent like the bulk of my 18 years I spent in, yeah. in the boxing arena and um yeah, no, I always knew because it just, it just, you know, the kids say that it hit differently, you know, yeah. like, you know, boxing just, just everything just hit differently to football and, and anything else. And, you know, mm. and yeah, it just, where I was meant to be, I guess. It's, that's, it's so interesting as well because any boxer that I've spoken to as well, it's that same, they have that same kind of feeling when they first walked into the gym. I think it's like they walk in and it's like a spiritual connection they feel mm. to mm. this kind of thing. It's just, Click at a finger, I'm, they just feel it straight I've away. Got, I've got goosebumps. You saying that? You said that <laughs> goosebumps. And that's a true story. Like it's that old gladiatorial thing, you know. Like, I, I actually went. So how I started boxing, I was twelve and I was in year seven, and I'm sure, like you, like lunchtime football at school when you're in middle school, when you're in year seven, 
was life. It was everything. Mm. And there was uh, my two best mates were playing in, 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 in together to the final single cubbies, Adam and Aaron. Adam, big, tough, good looking, all the girls fancied him, good at football. Aaron was a nerd. He was small, he was geeky, and he wore a backwards cap. Mm. In football, everyone would like take their bags off and put it in the goal. He played football with his backpack on his shoulders. Like, it was weird. <laughs> and in all honesty, we were all, we were all best friends, all of us were. Yeah. But in all honesty, like, he, we were friends with him because he was the one lad in our group who had a PlayStation. <laughs> so so we, like, he was a, that was his payment to be our friend. <laughs> anyway, so we played football. Adam doing some skills, done a quick turn, took a shot, come off Aaron's leg and flew into the top corner. So Aaron's goal. So Aaron's ran off and then he had a Shearer celebration. Adam didn't like it. He gets up, he pushes Aaron over. Aaron's on his back like a tortoise because he's got the backpack on. He gets up, he goes, that wasn't very nice, don't do that again. Adam shoves him again. This time his lunchbox comes out of his bag and his little homemade sandwiches comes out of the lunchbox. And he takes his bag off, walks up to Adam, puts his fist up. Adam's like, okay, let's go. Because Adam is the big tough one, he's the hard one, everyone thought Adam was going to win. Aaron's the nerd. We've all got in a big circle. Fight, 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 fight. Everyone thought Adam was going to win. Eight seconds later, Adam's on his ass, crying his eyes out. Oh. Aaron went, bam, 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 and battered him. Yeah. I say battered him. I mean, it was 12, but I mean, it was handbags. But, you yeah. know. I went to Aaron. I went, I went how did you learn to do that? He got a, a boxing club. I went, um, wow. I said, I didn't even know there was a boxing club in town. I said, I want to learn that. Can I come? He said, yeah, there's a beginner session on tonight, 6.30. He said, I don't go. I'll go to the advanced class at 8. If you want to come, 6.30. I go so to the Chicago, advanced class at 8, so he's obviously... Yeah, <laughs> Aaron yeah, at no, this point, is yeah, yeah, he's he, a goer. He, he knew, yeah, he knew what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> he knew what he was doing, for sure. <laughs> he's a goer. That's funny, Sam. I say things over here in America, like, oh, he's a goer or something like that. Everyone's like, what's he what? going me? What's a goer? <laughs> so I've got to change my whole vernacular when I'm over here talking to people. So it's funny to hear that. Um, yeah, so the school bell goes lunchtime. Everyone's in. Aaron is getting lifted on on everyone's shoulders. Aaron, Aaron. Adam's on the floor crying. I go, Adam. I go, Adam Deacon. I go, Deeks. I go. He only won. He goes boxing club. Like what we should do? Go again tonight, and then get really good, and you can fight him again tomorrow, and then you'll win. He went. Oh, I don't know. Quite. I don't know. I said yes. I mean, if you win, all the girls are going to fancy you again. He went, yeah. I went, yeah. Becky Coleman, Rebecca Cullenford, Tracy Pang, they'll all fancy you again. <laughs> he went, yes, yeah, yeah. He went, all right then. So all afternoon, we were like plotting the scheme and I go home, I get my bike, bike to his, get pick him up, give him a seater, bike down to the boxing gym and I walked in the door. As I said, generally, true story, walked in, the smell hit me like a punch in the face, the aura, everything about it. And I knew from there, that's where I was going to be and we sparred that first night. Adam, he hated it. He hated it. He never went yeah. back ever again. And that's and, and that's boxing. I mean, you either love it and you, that, that's you yeah, and you become the is. fabric of the sport or it's like, not for me, you know, not for me. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, yeah. Sorry, I, you didn't even ask me a question how I got into it, but that's no, how I got into it. No, no, it's, it's, honestly, that is a great story. It's like those YouTube videos you see, the um, kind of, you know, the, the karma videos, you know, mm. Adam pushing them to the ground, but. There was his, his lesson. Yeah. His lesson was learned most definitely. Um, 2010. Uh, we're at the Commonwealth Games in in Delhi, and you're really kind of into this now. It's you know, mm. 
we've got the we've got London 2012 in two years time, but you win silver at the Commonwealth mm. Games. So, how, how, yeah. how what was that experience like? Uh, that was amazing for me. Uh, yeah. Obviously, we've gone from 2004, I won the Junior Olympics. Yeah. Uh, 2005, won the Junior World Championships. Had a big injury in 2008, which stopped me from going to the Beijing. I didn't go Beijing. to the Beijing Olympic qualifier because I had a big mm. shoulder injury. And I got, I got kicked off the Great Britain team because I was injured and I was out for a year. So I had to fight and claw my way back onto the GB squad. It took me two years to get back to the squad. Wow. I got back on the team in 2010. And there's loads of lessons in there. We won't have time to talk about it, but... yeah. I can delve into loads of there. Like, yeah, there's loads of little mini lessons that I learned about my, or actually big lessons that have kind of helped me kind of like um, pave the way for me like later on in life. Mm. But yeah, I took, um, I took great, you know, they, were, they were two difficult years, 2008, 2010 were very difficult years going through their rehab and, and I, did, I worked in a bar for £5.85 an hour to pay for physio and I got, my dad was Nigerian. I've got no ties to my Nigerian family. I'm very, very British. And, mm. But I got asked to fight for Nigeria. Um, being a junior Olympic champion and stuff, a junior world champion, they sought me out and they said they were going to pay me money and I could live in England still and I could you know, represent Nigeria and go to the Commonwealth Games and, and, and then the Olympics. And it's much easier qualifying through Africa than, than Europe. And I said, no, that's, that's the easy option. And that's, that's not... Every yeah. time I pictured the Olympic Games, I'd gone wearing the red, white, and blue of Great Britain. And, yeah. and I said, thank you, but no. And even though my Olympic dreams are so far away from where I was then, mm. I said, I'd rather not have them than have them tainted. So, But not having them wasn't an option for me. So 2010, I was off the squad for two years. I got B11-1 in my first fight back for Great Britain after two years off the squad. Mm. I got beat by an Irish guy, Darren O'Neill, 11-1. He fucking scored me, 11 I never mm-hmm. lost. I just won the ABA Championships. I got yeah. punched once in five fights. Knocked out three of them, beat one guy three, uh, one guy 6-0, and then I won the final 3-1. So I barely ever got hit. I got punched once in five fights. Mm. I fought Darren O'Neill and got punched 11 times in the fight. That's because international boxing had changed since I was there two years ago. So I changed my whole game plan and I changed everything and yeah. went to the Commonwealth Games at the end of the year. I beat Vajender Singh, who was the then world world number one, um, Asian mm. Games champion. He was mustard. And I beat him and I lost to another British guy in the final, um, uh, Eamon O'Kane. But that was great for me because that experience was taught me a lot because I beat, yeah. my final was the semi-final against Vajender Singh and I put so much into that fight um, and then the final came around. I was like, I was on a bit of a downer. So I learned that. I learned loads. There's loads of little lessons you learn from any, every day yeah. in life. When you go through stuff like that, it was great. But that was great for me because I proved to, like, I know I had it in me. I'd gone from losing yeah. to O'Neill in, in June in 2011. O'Neill was good. He was probably top 10, top 12 boxer in the world at the time. Mm. I lost him 11-1. Then I beat the world number one four months later uh, in India. An Indian guy in India that's watched by 400 million people watch that fight on the wow. Indian BBC yeah. and I beat him. So I just proved how much I could know. I was very trainable, adaptable. I was very good. And mm. that fight, being seeing, proved to everyone that I was, you know, I belonged at this level. Um, yeah. yeah. And obviously, you know, fast forward to, to the 2012 London Olympics, which is just a, it was just a great a great Olympics, I suppose, and it was just a mm. huge thing for the country. It was great for Ireland as well, mm-hmm. uh, with Katie mm-hmm. Taylor winning gold. Smashed it, smashed it. Um, I don't know if you've you've, pro- you've probably met Katie before, have you? 
yeah, like you know, yeah. you know, on on the circuit, you can you mix in the same circles. Never really had a chat with her, but no, no, she's actually I'm not because my she's like a mythical figure in this country. <laughs> and so she should be. She's yeah. fucking brilliant. You know, yeah. she's, and so she should be. She is unbelievable. It yeah. really is. And like I was only going to say, like sports people, she's up to the very best on the in the entire planet, like in the entire mm. world, and um. And this is going to sound really misogynistic, and I don't mean it to. I really, really don't mean it to. Mm. I mean this in the nicest possible way. But one of the best compliments I can give her, I saw on the pads once, and she was wearing like a, the night before a fight in, in the amateurs, and she had like a sweatsuit on, and like a, had a cap, had a, had a really hat on to get mm. the sweat. And she's whacking the pads, and she hitting the pads like a, like a man, like a bloke. Like you'd never know it wasn't a mm. girl. And um, so I say this with due respect. I've, I've got four sisters. I'm a huge feminist. Like yeah. we're all equal in my opinion. Yeah. But when you watch football, right, um, and women's football, which I'm a fan of, um, I watch Premier League and women's football. Yeah, it's different. The pace is different. They expose it, yeah. and it's just different because men are more physically like powerful than women. That's just the mm. fact. Yeah, women have unbelievable skill, and I love their tactics. And they've got a better, I think, greater skill. Yeah, greater like tactical discipline. But the sheer power of the game is different. Watching men's football. Yeah, yeah. Boxing's the exact same. Like when a man hits the pad, mm. boom, it's so explosive. When a woman hits a pad, it's not as explosive, technically very sound, very good. But when Katie Taylor hits a pad, fuck, you'd have no idea when a bloke. You'd have no idea because she's yeah. just so powerful. And that yeah. is like, uh, you know, and I, I know, I hope that's come across the way I, I mean to say it. Because, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, she's just, <laughs> she's, she's great, you know. Yeah. But the Olympics for me, like, I mean, the Olympics for me, fuck, I mean, I'm not too sure if you've read up on this, but. You bet you um, beat the world number one again, another world number one. Yeah, and this the one lead up. Was, was great. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a huge thing going on. So I've I've made half a career of um of 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 doing motivational speaking since Olympic Games because my Olympic I genuinely believe this is sounds very big headed, but I genuinely believe my my medal, I won the Olympic Games was the hardest for Olympic medal ever won by a British boxer. Because the shit I went through in the build up. Olympics. There's not a time when this podcast talk about the previous. So after the, um, I won through it. After the, uh, I beat Virginia Singh. Mm. I was now the person to beat in the world. I was now like, you know, top, 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 top boxer. Yeah. Um, in the May, the next fight, the next May, so 2011 is Olympic qualifying year. In the May, I went to the Europeans. The year before, I went and I lost to Down O'Neill in my second fight. Um, the following Europeans. I was the favourite to win it. I just beat Virginia Singh. I was like the best boxer in Europe at the time. Mm. And and uh, I dislocated my shoulder in the first round. Uh, I, I lose. You know, doing the first second, first mm. front punch of the fight. I boxed the guy. He traps my arm. He pops my shoulder out. Yeah. My shoulder. I've been out for a year with the left shoulder. This was the worst injury. Long, long, long story short. I fight through. I fight through. I fight through. To try to get through as much as I possibly can. I, I couldn't do it. Had to get the surgery done on my right shoulder. The Olympic Games seemed so far removed from me. Like mm. I was a million miles away from the Olympic Games. I had to turn a 12-month rehab process into four months. Um, doing things that you wouldn't like. You meant you, your arm hasn't been a thing for like three weeks. It was out after six days. The pain I was in. I was being sick every single day. And I was in this weird, like, weird Spartan mindset where I wanted to feel every ounce of pain I was in because mm. I thought if I feel that pain... That's gonna make me even even more determined, and, and, and you know, and it actually works. You know, I wouldn't I would recognize, uh, recommend that because mm. there are days where I generally like thought I was gonna die. The pain was horrendous. Um, anyway, 
got back for the qualifiers, went to the qualifier. In my qualifying fight, I fought the guy, the Georgian, that popped my shoulder out like a year before. Okay. And I, all, the, all the pain I'd went through, I'd put it all on his, on his shoulder. That's his fault. And I was way better than him. I was so much better than him. And the coach was saying to me, just box him. But don't get drawn into a fight with him. Yeah. Box him, outclass him, get through, qualify, happy yeah. days. I came out round one, I saw red, and it was like a fight in an old Western movie. We punched seven shades of shit out of each other. Yeah. After round one, I was three points down. My coach, Lee Pullen, slapped me across the face. Says, what the fuck are you doing, mate? You're blowing it. It's boxing. Mm. I got up from round two, and these are three, these are three, three minute rounds. I got up from round two, and I generally was gonna gonna box him. Then he came over and he threw a big wild right hand, clocked me in the temple, my leg dipped. And I was, I was embarrassed and I was hurt and I was fucking angry. Yeah. And I saw red again and I tried to kill him. After round two, the score was uh, 12-6 to him. He was six mm. points up. Yeah. And a little bit of context, in the previous four-year Olympic cycle from Beijing to, um, to London, not one person in elite international amateur boxing had ever overturned a three-point deficit going into the last yeah. round. So four points unimaginable, five points impossible. Yeah. I was six points down. And by this point, it was too late to get back to the boxing. So I just had to fight. And I just smashed him. Last round, I was hitting wow. him, he was hitting me, I was hitting me. And somehow I overturned a six-point deficit in that last round. And I won. The, I worked so hard in that fight that I gave myself exercise-induced asthma. Like now, when I go and do a, um, yeah. a run, I've got to do it with the puffer thing. Yeah, my yeah. It's fucked. So I've done that. I beat him. I finally qualified. So after the most, so from beating Virginia Singh to that was a traumatic, a traumatic sixteen months scan from yeah. Virginia Singh to that. I was finally there from my fight um, when I qualified to my first five Olympic Games. There were seven weeks. We had a week off with my family. We had a week off. I had one week in the GB's got to be trained in Sheffield. Mm. One week off for my family back to Sheffield. I had one week of training in. That next week, I was on a Tuesday morning. My sister called me at 20 past eight in the morning. Yeah. She went, Anthony, she went, get, she crying her eyes out. She went, Annie, get home now. Mom is about to die. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So my mom, long she had a, a brain aneurysm that morning. Oh, and then, um, yeah, it's horrendous, mate. Horrendous. You know, I sat, so I, came, I jumped in the car, flew home. Um, I had to beg the doctor not to turn off a life support machine. He sent her to, uh, she was sent to Adam Brooks because I was just, basically I went back and the doctor pulled me to, the, a young junior doctor pulled me to the side and said, oh, my mom's next of kin. He said, uh, explain what happened. a big like subarachnoid bleed in the back of the left side of her brain. And he said, uh, nothing more can be done now. He said, the only, and this was a throwaway comment. He said, the only place I could do anything was Adam Brooks in Cambridge. But I've spoken to them and there's no beds available. But anyway, they've got all the scans. They've seen how bad the beat is. If we send her there, they can't do anything anyway. So we're going to turn off the love support machine. We just need your permission. And I said, the Adam Brooks thing. I said, well, can you please send her to Adam Brooks? Just, just for one final, you know, one final, you know, say so. He said, no, we can't because blah, blah, blah. The beat is too bad, blah, blah. And anyway, there's no beds. So I said, this went back and forth three or four times. I was very, very, very polite. On the fourth time, I lost my shit. Yeah. I don't even know what I said. He'd gone away. Could have been for a minute. Could have been for 20. I don't know. I was just in a whirlwind. Yeah. He comes back and said to me, we're going to send her there. We're going to send her to Adam Brooks, but just I want to let you know that 
they probably can't do anything, but you know, it's going to be basically a wasted journey for you and for the ambulance, but we're going to send her. I said, thank you. And, and anyway. she went, she had an operation immediately on her brain to, to keep her alive. She was having operations like seemingly every day, every other day for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. So for the first four weeks, for the next four weeks, I sat by her bedside, didn't do anything, didn't go for a run, didn't throw a punch, oh didn't do a sit up. And the Olympics has gone from the most important thing in my life to nothing. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to do it. And it wasn't until, it wasn't until uh, about two weeks, no, it wasn't that, about 12 days before, about 12 days before my fight, my first fight, my sisters and my then girlfriend, now my wife, said to me, look, you've got to do the Olympics because when mom gets better, and none of us thought she was going to get better at this point because she was in a real bad way, hung up to a life support machine, keeping her alive. But when mom gets better, she's going to feel awful knowing that you didn't do the games because of her. And they're all right. So they, played the, they dropped the biggest guilt card that they could possibly drop. But they're all right because my mom, at the time I lived at home, my mom still, and she was she's our hero. She's everything. You know, she yeah. still washed my clothes to make me pack lunch. <laughs> um, so, I, so I went. I, I went to Sheffield. I had one week of training left. And that was a, and that was a, that was a Tuesday. as a family and friends day. So all the guys going to London, got uh, guys and girls, they got to invite their family and friends to come watch them train for the last day. And and I was like, and I had all my family were in the hospital, my mom still, stopped by myself. I didn't want to be there, I hadn't trained the so I, I was I was I was a middleweight, I was a big middleweight, so losing weight. So I had to I middleweight was 75 kilograms. So I used to walk around about 78, 79 kilograms, yeah, lose two or three kilos like the night before a fight. Yeah. Um I was like 72 kilos. I, 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 I was sick of worry. I was being sick of worry. I was underweight. I was malnourished. I was just a bag of shit. Yeah. Anyway, so I spotted Fred Evans. Fred had all his family. Fred's a traveler. He had all his families around, all his family around the ring, like kind of slamming down on the, on the ring mat. I spotted him. I threw a sloppy jab. The first punch I threw in the month. He slips out, boom, hooks my body, and he breaks my rib. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I got through the four round spa. Mate, mate, honestly, this is this, this, this is my Olympics. Everyone says, "Oh, how amazing yes. Olympics were," and they were, but mine were very different, very different to you know, you know what you'd imagine. So I sat on the ring apron oh. after spa, after sparring, and I sweat a lot when I train. I had all the grease on my face as well. I had head guard, I took head guard off, and the sweat was masquerading my tears. Mm. Just crying my eyes out. My shoulders doing a little bob thing. I sat there. I thought, Fuck, my shoulders fucked. Still sore from the from the rehab. I couldn't mm. uppercut. Couldn't do hooks. It was still sore and still weak. My Achilles would like it keep me out of boxing for two years. Um, so I had tears in both my Achilles, and they were in so much pain. And uh, yeah, they were they were horrendous. I had a broken rib, and I thought, "Fuck, well, oh, my mum is going to die. My mum is going to die. I'm never going to see her again." Oh man! And that was in my head ten days before my first fight. And um, anyway, so I was getting injections in my shoulder, my Achilles every every couple of days to numb the pain. Went to London, had a really hard draw. So the opening ceremony is on a Friday night. I boxed Saturday lunchtime. So I didn't even get to go to the opening ceremony. Uh, I boxed on Saturday. Uh, my second fight, my Ukrainian fight, as you mm. mentioned, in the world number one, he was unbelievable. He was an absolute shooting for the government. He was every bit as good as Lomachenko is, and, and it was, was in his, and Dusik, mm. like two best boxers. In the last five, ten years, Lomachenko Kit- and Yusuf. Kitrov, isn't it? Lomachenko, Kit- the, 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 the favourite three of Ukraine. Yeah. Kitrov, yeah. Yeah, Kitrov. Ky- yeah, sorry, yeah. Lomachenko, Yusuf and Kitrov, they were like, they were like the three 
shoe ins for gold medals. Nobody gave me a chance beating him. I beat him in an unbelievable fight, an unbelievable fight. It went to a double count back, something that never, ever, ever happened before or mm. since in Olympic boxing. So the final score was 18 all. So back then, the, the scoring has changed. I'll never be replicated because the scoring has changed now. Mm. Back then, there were five judges around the ring and the score point, you've got to land a blow on your opponent. And three of the five judges have got to press a button within one second of each other. Yeah. Um, and then you get, that was 18 all. When it goes to count back, what happens is they, uh, so when it's, when it's, a, when it's level, when the scores are tied, you get mm. a count back and they tally up all the scores, irrespective of the one second rule. And you always get a winner. I've boxed my entire life, never not lost or a winner. Mm. It, it was 52 52. So double count back. And I don't even think there's like a rule when this happens, what happens, because it's always provides a winner. The mm. referee's gone. What do I do? So the referee, you asked every judge around the ring, who you reckon won the fight? All five judges said me. And I won the fight. And that was an unbelievable moment. And yeah, one that I wish I could have shared with my mum, but she's still in hospital. And mm. and then I had a few more fights. And then I lost the semi-final to the Brazilian, who was a good fighter. But the hardest thing for me to take from the Olympic Games was I lost to the worst person I fought at the Olympics. Because... Yeah. The Dominican, the Ukrainian, and the German had all beaten him like that Olympic year. Yeah. Like that year, they were beating him. But by the time I got to him, he, he got a bye on the first day. I boxed the Dominican. He boxed a Hungarian and like won by like eight points in a really easy fight. Mm. I fought Ukrainian. He fought some other shit bag. I fought, so, like, our paths are very different. And by the time I got to him, I was just, I was spent, mate. I was yeah. physically. Mentally as well. Yeah, just fucked. Like, yeah, I was sneaking out the Olympic Village. I did it three times during the Olympics, twice before my I lost, and once after I wanted to get home. I'd sneak out the Olympic Village at midnight when the coaches would go to bed, jump on the central line, get my car, like I parked at Wandsford because obviously Olympics were in Stratford. Mm. Jump in my car, drive up to Cambridge to um to Addenbrooke's. I'd I'd flirt and beg with a nurse to let me in to my mom's ward. I'll sit there, hold her hand for twenty minutes, talk to her. Mm. leave, get back in my car, back down to London, Wanstead, wait for the tube to run again at five in the morning, jump on a tube, go into Stratford, creep back into the Olympic Village and get back into bed before the coaches woke up. And and that was my, and then I'd they'd wake up and that, so, so it was all that nightmare, stress mate. It was, it was and, Yeah. Mm. Well it, mm. it's an even it's an amazing oh, you know obviously when I'd seen it I you know you'd beaten um Kaitrov and he was obviously the world number one but to hear about all of the personal stuff mm. that led you to that moment and you, you got a week, a week of training in and you know incredibly impressive you know and thank I, you Cheers yeah out. unbelievable man um you know it's you know it's for someone to to deal with all of that kind of you know personal stuff and you know now it's yeah, it's it's admirable. So well, you know, fair thank play. Thank you, man, honestly. Thank you. Um, and you know, with that comes reward, and you come into the professional game, and you sign your first professional contact contract with with Golden Boy. I know, you know, a lot of people know about your professional career it being short lived, and we'll get to that later on. Mm-hmm. But there were highlights. Your your in those seven fights. Mm. Or, um, I had. I think I had. Sorry, was it more? I, it was. Eleven, I think I had eleven or twelve. I, I didn't. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even yeah. know. 
I think 11 or 12 fights. Um, do you know what? <clears throat> it's a weird one. My pro career was like, it's an odd one. Like, I never, I'm, I'm, I'm the, um, on the opposite to most boxers and kids as well, because most kids, they, they want to become the next, um, they want to become the next world champion. And they had all the yeah. belts and this. And I was never, like the next Ricky Hatton. Like, you know, mm. I was never that fast about turning pro. I didn't really want to turn pro. Mm. I wanted to win the gold medal in Olympic Games. That's what I wanted to do. That's my, that's my only real dream. That was so my you, only dream in boxing. You were looking at, Rio 2016 was that going nah, to be- nah, I was looking it was always going to be London for me it was always London I remember yeah. I was always going to be London it was like you know I think Beijing I would like to win to Beijing I don't think I would have meddled maybe I, I don't know I mean I was good I was 19 I was good yeah I'm my medal but I, I wouldn't have won a gold medal in, in Beijing because I wasn't physically like mature enough mm. and experienced enough I think it would have been great if I'd have went and maybe nicked the medal or just went for the experience um, but London was always it was always going to be London for me. That was always the thing. What I'm saying, so I didn't want to turn pro. I, if I'd have won, this is how I, and I handed my heart, this is how I feel and this is what I would have done. Had I won a gold medal in London, which I think I would have done had like my mum stuff not happened and all the shoulder and, mm. you know, if the stars would have aligned for me, I think I would have, there's no, I 100% would have won the gold medal. There's no, I don't doubt I beat the best guy there. When I when I was no with a bad shoulder, with a bad Achilles, with a broken mm. rib, and not being physically mentally present, the guy that won the gold medal, the Japanese guy, the Ukrainian, smashed him to bits. The world champions, like six months before, like smashed him. So I'd, I'd hammered him. Um, anyway, I had I won the gold medal, I'd retired from boxing. I think I'd have, I'd have, I'd have retired, mm. gone out on the biggest high with a gold medal around my neck in in, in London, yeah. my city. The union with the union jack going up and God said the queen playing out. Yeah, you, you ain't topping that. Now I'd have I'd have made I'd have made a living elsewhere doing something else, maybe become an actor or something. I, I don't know, but I would have I would have given up. I would have retired from boxing on the biggest high. Mm. I didn't want to turn pro. That didn't really appeal to me much. The reason why I didn't stay for Rio is because a couple of reasons, but no, but the one overriding reason was what I'd done, as you've heard from that little ten minutes, like the Olympics. And my mum's illness had become one. They like they intertwined. And at the half, after the Olympics, she was still she was just out of, just out of a coma. And mm. it was like fuck. If she lives, she's going to be like my like, fucked. And I'm very 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 proud to say my mum's made an unbelievable recovery. And she's walking, she's talking. She's, That's amazing. She's mom, you know, which, is, which is amazing. I'm so proud That's of her. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. But at this point, I wasn't. And she's when you're having a, an illness like that, it's, 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 it's a constant recovery. You know, she's always getting better still mm. nine years on. But she had to learn, learn how to walk again, talk again, write, write, write her name again. And it's happened over months. So, like, when I made the decision to not do, not do Olympics anymore, like, there was when I didn't know she was going to live or die still. Mm. And I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't stay for four more years and go into Luxembourg, Lithuania, and these shitty little countries and, and boxing high school gyms and then to get to Rio and have all those that like, to be a wash of all those like, bad memories again I just I didn't want to do it so I turned pro and, and that emphasis to put on the Olympic gold medal I then put on the world championship and I thought mm. right I'm now going to repackage my dreams and now rather than a gold medal which was out of my grasp I now want to become Britain's greatest ever middleweight boxer and that was my goal that's what I wanted to do that was that would become my new gold medal Yeah, and I was 100% like had my heart on that, had, and I had more than enough ability to do it. I had the talent, I had the great team behind me, mm. 
as you've heard, I had the work ethic and the drive. That's never been my problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was adamant that like, cause, cause bad things don't keep happening to people. Like, you know, like eventually yeah. like you know, football, we mentioned earlier over the course of a season, luck kind of tends to even out. Mm. I find such bad luck, and there's more as well. We haven't touched upon before. Yeah. Now I'm gonna have a now I'm gonna have a, have a, have a clean one, and unfortunately, fuck the bad luck is just about getting going. But yeah, there were some highlights of my pro career. I mean, there were some cool cool moments, but it just wasn't. I mean, I just I generally think it wasn't meant to be. I generally think because yeah, well, if it was, I would have done it, and it just wasn't meant to be. And mm. this happened, and that happened, and the injuries I was sustaining becoming like more and more and more serious, and yeah. You know, had I got back after the eye injury, I could have fucking died in the ring, you know, became you know, a real wheelchair bound. So yeah, I think you know, things happen for a reason sometimes. And unfortunately, as, as sad as it makes it, as sad as I am about it, I, you know, I'm now basically dying to my left eye and I can't, I can't box anymore. And that's, yeah. it is what it is, you know. Mm. I, you know, I've, I've seen some of the interview, I've seen a couple of the interviews you did with, with, um, with Cougs. And I've heard, you know, some of the the stuff that kind of, you know, happened to you after uh, that fight, you know, it, and I think you paid for a lot of operations on on your your eye as well. And yeah. I had nine, I had nine, nine, I had nine operations on my eye um, yeah. to try and get back in the ring. Four very expensive ones. I spent more money in operations, not not hotels or or consultations or anything. Just the operations alone, I had more. I had more. I spent more money on operations loan than I actually earned in my boxing career. Like yeah. it's mad, and and all to get yeah. back in the ring, I, it meant that much to me. I remortgaged my house, I sold my car, and um, yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't to be, you know. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad. Like, don't get me wrong. I'd much rather have the hundred grand I spent on operations in my bank account now. But I had to, yeah. and, and it's not, and it's not even like um, you know, I earn, I earn ten million. I earn one million in my career. So hundred grand. Isn't a lot. Underground is like I said. I had to remortgage my house. I had no. I had like no money left. Mm. I had to do shitty TV shows they didn't want to do just for ten grand to pay for you know a fifth of a surgery. It was um. You know, I had to you know do things. Yeah, I, I had to remortgage sell my house. I'd take the bus rather than driving because I had no money. Yeah. All for this dream to get back in the ring. And but I was going to say I'm I'm glad I did it because I had to get to the very end. Mm. I had to do everything. And now I can go, do you know what? I tried fucking everything to get back yeah. in the ring. It didn't happen. It wasn't meant to be. How is versus if I'd have had two surgeries rather than nine, I'd have thought, oh, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe if I'd have, you know, win again. I don't know. I had seven surgeries. Announced my retirement from boxing. Then I had two further surgeries on the sly, on the down low, when the pressure was off me, hoping to get back in the ring. And even they didn't work. Yeah, and yes, there's nine all told. Nine all told. Yeah, but look, we're, we're we're here now. It was your life, but there's something very exciting now happening. Um, Indeed, you know, you, you made your debut in your hometown in 2019, I believe. Um, I just want to talk to you about wrestling in general. Because are you a cool. fan? Have you been a fan your whole life? Is it is it hundred percent? Yeah. Genuine, genuine, genuine whole genuine huge fan. Like did you watch the other company? <laughs> That's what yeah. we refer to. So, <laughs> yes, I watched the other company. I was a fan. I'll tell you what, I'll be very honest. I don't know is prior to AEW becoming a thing, I didn't miss I didn't miss a Monday Night War for like 15 years. Wow. Every single one. Okay. Mate, I was a Uber fan. Like I'd be in Azerbaijan boxing in 2010 
and I have my big laptop, my big laptop, <laughs> <laughs> big Toshiba beast. I'd be on the internet looking for like illegal streams to watch because I had to watch Raw. Like, that was what I, 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 mate, I didn't miss, I did not miss a, I didn't miss a, a sport for 15 years, genuinely. Yeah. Like, huge fan. Um, huge fan. Those one of the ones where like, we were all fans as kids. Mm. And then we grew up and everyone else like fell out of it, like fell out of love of it. And I just thought, oh, the same one happened with me. But as I grew up, I loved it more. <laughs> I fell more in love with it. And um, Do you remember, yeah. right? Do you remember back like the late 90s, early 2000s, where we, we didn't have this, we didn't have Zoom, we didn't have the internet. So we wouldn't have a clue what happened on Monday Night Raw, maybe until Friday night at 10 o'clock on Sky Sports. And then the next morning we'd wake up at 11 o'clock and we'd watch SmackDown. Yeah. Those were the days. You just didn't have any access to the internet. It was just mm-hmm. that excitement, that build. Amazing, mate. It was amazing. So I, so I'll get into wrestling. I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly how I'll get into wrestling. I was, uh, every Sunday, we had like lunch at my nan's house. And then, um, and then I used to run home because I was young and sporty. I was running home. Mm. And I made it in record time one day. And I, I must. I was what? It was, it was. This was 2000. This was the day. This is the. This was January 2000. So I'd have been born 88. So I'd have been turned like 11. Mm. I was no. Yeah, I was 11. I was 12 that year. I was 11. So I've gone in, put a telly on, and it was like the last three minutes of Sunday Night Heat, and then uh, and Channel Four, Channel Four bought the rights yeah. to WWE yeah, for like a year or whatever it was. I put a telly. I put a telly on, and we had four channels back then: one, two, three, and four. Yeah. And channel four, um, come on. And I thought, what's this? I had no idea what this was. So I knew what boxing was. I knew it wasn't boxing, but I didn't know what it was. I thought, what? What's this thing? And I remember the commentator said, um, "Remember tonight, uh, no, Royal Rumble, Rumble tonight at whatever time in UK." So I thought, I literally, I saw three minutes of it and I was, the glitz, the glam, the muscle man, the struggle. I was like, oh, this is amazing. So I got to the old, remember the old TV books? No, no, yeah. uh, TV guide? Yes. So I go on the channel four, go to midnight, WWF as it was in, Royal Rumble. I go, oh, and watch this. So I then go to our cupboard with all our blank, our blank VHS tapes, <laughs> what you called, right? I've stayed up. This is this has got to the stream. Everything I'm going to say now. This was the screaming up. of the past, folks. This yeah. was the screaming of the, the kids, past. <laughs> you kids just don't know. <laughs> so, uh, with W.H. Smith and buying like 10 blank, 10 blank VHSs. So I've put it, so I've stayed up late and I was, uh, I was what, 11, so I had a bedtime. Mm. I started up as late as I possibly could. I put it in, and you'll remember that, Sal. Yeah. The kids won't. You put the VHS in, and they lasted for three hours on short play, and the quality was decent. It wasn't good, but it was decent. <laughs> but back then, to us, it was amazing. Yeah. Or you said it's a long play, and recorded for six hours, but the quality was a bit shit. Sound was a bit off, and the voice yeah. was a bit off, and it's a bit sing- <laughs> out of sync. But you got six hours. So in my head, of course, I'm going to start at midnight, I started up to about half eight, nine o'clock, as late as I possibly could. I was nodding off. Put a tape on, put on a long play, put it on channel four. Because if you change the channel, mm. what you were watching would change the thing. So like, everyone, you can't watch TV, leave it on channel four. I goes to bed, right? True story. I wake up, I come down. I have a breakfast. School's in about 20 minutes. I press play. I'm watching it. Kurt Angle comes down. I have no idea who Kurt Angle is. Yeah. He's an Olympic gold medalist. And even before the Olympics, even before I started boxing, I always thought I was going to become an Olympic champion. That was my dream. Even yeah. I don't know what in, but 
Three comes down, Olympic gold medal runner's neck, strong. I'm thinking, this guy's amazing. And everyone was booing him. And I couldn't work out why he was getting booed, being Olympic champion. I didn't, I, I couldn't work yeah. out why. And then the music goes dark, goes doof, doof, doof. And this little hard geezer comes out with Talon's head, tats. <laughs> he comes out looking menacingly. He walks out pissed off. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That was I'm his a, debut. Whoa. Yeah. It's debut, yeah, debut in a, in a, in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Oh, fuck. So he comes, and it's a true story. He comes out, and they start fighting, right? And again, I'm 11 years old. I have no idea what I'm actually watching, right? I know it's not boxing, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. They start fighting, right? And Taz wins by the Taz mission. Chokes him out. Mm. And I'm like this. I'll go, <laughs> he's dead. He just killed him. So mum coming through, as I'm watching this thing, mum goes, well, I'll get to school now. So mum, mum, he, he just kills him on TV. She goes, well, what are you watching? I, go, I don't know, but he just kills him on TV. So I get to school. Turn TV off, went to school. So I go to school, man. I'm traumatised. <laughs> I go to school. I'm thinking, I've just now watched the murder. Right? His man's dead. And I go to say, I told my teacher, I said, Mr. I've just seen a murder at home. She, she must have thought, what a weirdo. Anyway, I come home and put the VCR in, but the next match comes on. And later on, you see Kurt Angle in the trainer's room, like talking to our new, I think, phew, he's not dead. <laughs> and then, and then I get, I'm watching this thing all that, all that night, transfixed in what I'm watching. Yeah. I get to the end, and then that's the, that's when the rock one, yeah. uh, the big show over. There's the rock, I think it's the rock, Kurt, there's the rock, big show. We rolled off. Anyway, I can't remember yeah. the last four we were in, but tape goes off. Just because obviously it elapsed to six hours. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. And I didn't find out who won for weeks and weeks and weeks because it wasn't until I made friends with a lad at school who was like wrestling that I found out who actually won. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, mate. Nightmare. Uh, nightmare. Um, <laughs> that's how I get into wrestling. And I've been a fan since. And I used to go to my nan's uh, house every Friday night. <laughs> Have um, you told Taz that story? I've told, I've, I was going to tell it, it's quite a long story. Taz is quite hard to talk to because he's, uh, he's always busy, but he knows it, he does know it, but I'm going to tell him again. I think he's forgotten. I think he's forgotten. But, but I used uh, to walk to my nan's every Friday night and it's how, yeah. because we were poor, we didn't have cables. We, I, I didn't have Sky. So I walked to my nan's and every Friday night I'd walk at the same time and I used to sit outside the lady's window because I used to watch wrestling and watch wrestling through the window. That's how I consumed my <laughs> Friday night war you're talking about to the lady. And that must be so weird. A little weird kid watching your TV through the window. That's what I did, yeah. So I've always been... So in answer to your question, mate, yeah, I've always been into it, genuinely. Yeah. And you're... Listen, you're in that world now. Uh, how has that kind of transition been for you? Um, it's obviously... It, it must be so exciting. Yeah, no, it is, it is really exciting. You mentioned my debut, so... So basically, I'm friends. So Paige from WWE, uh, yeah. she's from Norwich. I'm from like Norwich originally, yes, yeah. and um, so we kind of know the family anyway. And they've always they always got me involved. Like they used to. I had my actually, I had my stag do. So I had a stag do in Prague with Big Piss Up, and my home stag do. Me and my best mates went to WAW. Um, so Paige's family's school. Yeah, had like a two hour training session. We had so much fun, so much fun. That was unbelievable. And then late. So much fun. I was and later that year, they said to me they had a big show, uh, big like Christmas time. They asked me if I'd get involved for it. Mm. I went, yeah, for sure. I get involved. They asked me to be a special guest referee. I said, yeah. So turn up on the show on the day. And they say, would you rather do a run in? I went, fuck yeah. I went, basically, what you want to do? Just run in there, 
punt on one. Was this for MJF, was it? Oh no, this was this was like 2018. Okay. This was this was this was in Norwich on the WAW show. Yeah. So they go, they said to me, It's my th- my first foray into into wrestling. So I was gonna go as a fan, they said to me be a special guest referee. Then they said, Can you do a run-in? It's basically two guys gonna jump um a tag team, babyface tag team, jump in, punch one of them. I went, Can I do more though? They went, What do you want to do? I went, I don't know, I just want to do more. I went, all right, what are you trying to wrestle or not? The Rock. He went, you can do a rock bottom. I went, I guess. Never done that before, but I guess. I'd, yeah. You always like do it like with your friends like on, on lads' holidays into a swimming pool, like rock bottoms and stuff. So I'll, I'll figure it out. So I'm in the ring, run into the ring, get a huge pop. I knock this guy out, knock him out. Another guy comes, rock bottom. Huge pop in the crowd. And I, so I stand up. I, I, this isn't planned. <laughs> I take my T-shirt off. I throw into the crowd. And I think, fuck, I've got no spare T-shirt. So I have to go home with no T-shirt on. And I look at him, I look at him, look at my turnbuckle, look at him, I thought, I'm going to do a fox splash. And then the lad, who was like, who put the match together, he's looking at me thinking, he's looking at me thinking, what are you doing, mate? And I went, I'm going to do a fox splash. I went, I want to. He went, do you know how to? I went, just, just do it. I, like, I didn't even know how to get the turnbuckle, but I got there somehow. Did a frog splash, pretty much perfect, perfect. <laughs> Nailed it. And then Roy, Roy and Zach, who were in the tag team, they went, just pin him. I went, but I'm not in the match. He went, we ain't going to get the fans as high as this. Just fucking pin him. <laughs> so I pinned him and I won my first match without having been in the match. <laughs> that was hilarious. And then, because they knew how much I liked it, they had a show in Lower Stock like the, the next year. And at this point, I'm still boxing, obviously. I'm still trying to get back in the ring. I'm still training. Yeah. Wrestling is like my guilty pleasure. They asked me if I'd um, get involved in this match and have a have a, have a tag match to raise. And I said, I said I'll do it, but I'm not going to do it. They said I will give some money. I went, I'm not going to do it for a job because I'm a boxer. So I'll do it, I'll give some money, some charity. So we raised like like 500 quid for charity right there. And I went to their school, the W. BBC Look East cameras came to watch me do it, just to get some publicity for them because they're nice people. I want to help them out, nice people. Yeah. And then I turned up at the show, and that was trained basically. I ran the ropes. And did a back bump. That's all I did, really, just yeah. for the cameras. And I got to the ring on the day of the, on the day of the match. And then we got there like an hour before and planned what we were going to do. I had no clue. What, I, had, I couldn't do anything. I had no clue. I had no training. And they said, "Just listen to us. Just when I say something, do something. Just do it. Perfect." Mm-hmm. So I've got this, this match, and I'm just <laughs> hit me, hit one, throw rock bottom, rock bottom, did a fox bash, and that's what I did. So it was a match, but it wasn't a match. I didn't do no training for yeah. it. I had no, I had no like, illusions that I was going to ever do it. It was just to yeah. raise money for charity and help my friend out with their, with their wrestling promotion. So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, we, we've kind of, it's funny how it started like that, you know, doing the rock bottom and the, and the frog splash. And then obviously you get a call from Cody and, you know, he, you're, you're there now, you're, you're over in Atlanta and obviously you have to travel down to Florida because that's where they're based, isn't it, at the moment? Well, yeah, yeah, at the moment, yeah, yeah. So we, yeah. So Tony Khan, who's the best boss in the world, he owns, his family owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Fulham. And the stadium. Within, and Fulham. And Fulham. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they own, next door to the stadium, they own um, like a 5,000 seat arena called Daly's Place, and they own that as well. So we do yeah. the shows in there. We do shows in there and it's, um, yeah it works. obviously we will eventually when the pandemic is over we'll start travelling around the US yeah. and then the UK so I was meant to make my debut so I got here I was here this time last year so my visa took seven months to come 
and um, I got here this time last year in March, mm. and then um, I was here for three weeks. <clears throat> the pandemic hit, had to come home, and then they had to obviously like shut down all the borders. And I was at home for six months. I yeah. got back here, so I'm really still. I'm, I'm I'm only like I'm less than a year into training. I'm like eight months into training. If you combine the months, like yeah, month here, two months here, six months, and then month. I'm like eight months. I'm eight months in. I'm really new still. Um, yeah. I'm picking things up quite well. Um, but yeah, I was meant to go debut last summer, last June. Uh, although, yeah, June 2020, the mm. AW were going to come and tour the, U- the UK. And I was going to debut at home. Because those yeah. ideas got shelved with COVID. But I'm back yeah. here now. And yeah, just working hard to get back in the ring. To get in the ring, sorry. It's it's exciting. It's ex- it. the... Uh... You know the world of wrestling is is exciting mm. again. Um, the other company WWE they needed a bit of competition. Uh, got a bit, cool. got yeah. a bit boring, and now they have worthy competition. A company as well that kind of isn't afraid to to kind of you know go a little kind of rated R with it with regards mm. to the matches. I mean, you had a barbed wire match. You know you've you've got. You've got some risky, risky matches there, which I think a lot of people, a lot of hardcore wrestling fans have had missed for a couple of years, you know. Yeah. And you know, you've got Jericho and Sting in there. Have have you have you encountered any of the kind of the guys, the likes of Moxley? Um or yeah, Jericho? They were great. yeah. 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 Mox well, Moxley's Moxley's a bit funny. Moxley doesn't really Moxley's uh he's uh I mean I never really spoke to him. He's a really cool dude, but he's like so no, I like this. I was like this in boxing. When I at the boxing arena, he's very like, much in the zone. Oh, mate, hundred percent. Like, yeah. like hundred percent. He might as well be the only person there. He don't talk to anybody. He's like, wow. he's like zoned in. But I was like that as a boxer. I was the same. Like, yeah. I didn't want people to talk to me. Like, no, like fuck, I'm fuck, I'm not having fun. Leave me alone. You know. I'm, yeah. Like, he's like that. Everyone else, for Jericho, fuck, you know, what a sweetheart, mate. Jericho, yeah. mate, like he's so helpful. But, uh, Paul White. Formula One is the big show. Big He's show, there now. yeah. We had a chat uh, TV last week for an hour and a half. Like Chandler, all he's big, huge boxing fan, massive yeah. boxing fan. Trained in Boston for a year and a half. Uh, lost like loads away boxing. Mm. Uh, we had like so people are really. Everyone's really nice. Everyone's cool. Yeah. Now, we're, we're we're the upstart company, but we're putting on. I personally the best wrestling you know, in the world right now like yeah some you know just yeah just wrestling makes sense like we've had one DQ finish in 18 months one DQ finish in yeah. 18 months um because it's Tony exciting to, mm. it's exciting I mean you've, you've Co- I mean then you have Cody and and Kenny in there as well mm. um you know I think as well it's it's not too, uh, if you can, kind of my kind of opinion of it is, it's not too much, there's not, it's not too inflated with the stars. Do you know what I mean? Mm. They have us, they have the likes of Cody, Kenny, Mox, Jericho. Sting's kind of come in as a, mm-hmm. as a kind of mentor, but then you have all these up and coming guys there, yeah. like Darby, MJF, who, mm-hmm. I mean, I've, he's like, what, 23, 24? I couldn't believe mm. it. I only found that out mm. the other day. So it's, and then, you're coming coming up, you know. So you you, given what you've done in in boxing in your career, you've always, you know, what wanted to prove a point. So I think mm-hmm. it's very exciting for you. And you yeah, spoke I've, you spoke about Kurt Angle. That's a huge. I mean, yes, I know he did amateur wrestling, but he was that Olympic athlete. Content, yeah. You know, he is he's a big inspiration in terms of mm-hmm. his kind of transition into the business was so fast so I think you're you're in the right hands as well I think some great guys around you and as you said Jericho 
you know, having, you know, the experience, having him there, he's, he obviously seems like a great guy as well. Yeah. And Tony Khan. Oh, and, Tony, all up by Tony Khan. and Tony, of course, as Tony, well. Yeah. He's a Tony, huge, Tony he's passionate. Yeah. So, oh, mate, so passionate. He knows everything. Like, he knows everything. And he's so passionate and he really cares. And deep down, he's a fan. Like, maybe the other, maybe the other place they've been doing it for so long that, you know, all they really care about is making money. Like, mm. sure, it's a business. I get it. It's a business. But Tony Khan, oh, mate, he, he cares so much. He's a true fan. And he wants to give people like the feelings <clears throat> that he got as a kid, and it still gets now. Like you put a match on, book a match, and like he gets like insane like feelings because he's a genuine fan and he really, really cares about yeah. everyone. Yeah, so you know, I've got great people around me, and like you mentioned, I've got I've got a real being in my bonnet. Like I've done some amazing things in my life. I've lived I've lived five lives in one already, mm. and I've still got a lot of life left to live. However. I am really pissed off why I didn't win a gold medal and other people did with half my ability. I am really pissed off. In the, I'm really pissed off that Cannon Smith, and I like Cannon Smith. This is no knock on Cannon Smith. He's the person that is. So I'm using this as an example. And there's more. But Cannon Smith specifically, again, I love, I, I like him. He's a real nice dude. Mm. I'm pissed off that Cannon Smith, the the Great Britain team, was my reserve boxer, was my number two as a middleweight. He had to go up a weight category to go to the Olympic qualifier because I was number one middleweight. I was told when I had my bad shoulder that they'd rather send me to the qualifier with one arm than him with two arms because I was that much better than him, right? And he's yeah. a tremendous box, unbelievable. I'm annoyed that he's gone on and become an undisputed middleweight, super middleweight champion of the world, mm. earned millions of pounds, win all the belts, and I didn't. That pisses me off. Mm. And again, just to, just to clarify for one final time, Callum's a great dude. And knocking him, and I'm really happy for him when he became world champion. He's a, mm. he's a great, great, great boxer. But I'm pissed off that I didn't do that, and I wasn't, yeah. I, I wasn't afforded that chance because of injuries and stuff. So I've got a massive point to prove. I've got a huge B in my bonnet. I've got a big point to prove, and this is the arena where I'm going to do it in as a professional wrestler with AEW. And obviously, you did it. There was a bit of trash talking as well in your in your pro career, so that kind of comes in as well. The trash talking, mm. that's that's mm. that's kind of an added little thing that you have in there as mm. well. So, hundred percent, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, look, Anthony, honestly, an absolute pleasure. What a story! What you know? What a story so far, mate. And I'm I'm so happy for mm. you, um, that you're in this happy space at the moment in wrestling, and it's it's a new thing for you. It's a new journey. So I really wish mm. you all the best. As a fan, I'm very excited to see how you you come into the, you know, come into the scene at at AEW. What do you think, Al? Let me let me, let me what do you think? Do you think it'll be a baby face, a heel, a good guy, a bad guy? Do you oh. think it'll be a, a technical wrestler or a bruiser? What do you reckon? Oh, I don't Always know. I, to find out. Oh, I I think I think you should come with the heat. I think you should be a heel. Is that what you want to be? Do you want to be a heel? <laughs> How can you hate this face? How can you hate this face? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm just, it's its funny because they a lot of them cheer for the heels as well. <laughs> you know, the, the heels get cheered an awful lot as, as of late. But yeah, baby yeah. face, heel, whatever. I think I think whatever you do, yeah. um, you're going to excel at it, mate. You know, so I'm, thank you. I'm happy for you. And again, I want to thank Lewis as well for, for putting this together. And yeah. Um, yeah mate honestly wish you all the best and uh, thanks for coming on the podcast thank you mate I hope let's do it again in a year's time when I'm when I'm got some got some uh, some gold around my waist let's do it again yes yes mate absolutely <laughs>
Build your own unique bets and get the odds instantly with Betfred's Pick Your Punt Builder. Corners, cards, goal scorer and more. They've got them all. Download the Betfred app to build your own unique bets with instant odds. 18 plus BeGambleAware.org. Singles only. Pick Your Punt Builder is available on selected matches at Betfred's discretion. Visit Betfred.com promotions for more information and for full terms and conditions.